Psalm 72. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. May grain abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. May the crops flourish like Lebanon and thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Let's pray and let's just um, look at Psalm 72 together. We thank you, uh, Lord Jesus, that you have come to inaugurate a kingdom, to bring a rule and a reign into our troubled world. Help us to understand this psalm so that we might live under that rule and reign in a way that makes a difference in our generation. For Christ's sake, amen. So we're reaching, um, well, we've reached the end of our short summer series on the Psalms and number 72, which we've just read. Now, as some of you know, last year was, uh, for us as a family, the year of the, of the wedding. And uh, uh, this year has been the year of the grandchild. Uh, not, um, three is the current count, uh, additionally. But at one of our wedding receptions uh, last year, the wedding reception, in fact, of our son, a relative of uh, her, of his in-laws, 
uh, a somewhat unusual Pentecostal pastor from Scotland, as it happens, uh, bore an astonishing likeness to the exotic American boxing promoter Don King, who some of you will remember. So at various tables, the conversation could be heard, is that Don King? Or is that chap something or other King? Of course, it was not the real Don King. If it had been the real Don King, he could have paid for the reception for us. But, uh, but he resembled Don King. The real King was not present. Now, at this moment, you're speechless in admiration for my introduction to this psalm about the King. Because uh, you, you don't need to be a, a rocket scientist to see what I'm coming to. Psalm 72 is about identification of the true king. It's about a king. It starts off, Endow the king with justice, O God, the royal son, with your righteousness. And the king and the royal son were, of course, the same person. We know that it's a psalm written by the aging King David. And if you've got uh, your Bible, if you've got the notes on the back of the sheet there, you'll see that there is another clue about what it's about under the numbering of the psalm where it says, of Solomon. So I want to ask three questions of the psalm. Who is it about? Who is it really about? And who is it really for? Who is it about? Well, we know the answer to that because we know that it's written about Solomon, David's beloved son and heir, the second child of his marriage to Bathsheba, and you recall that their first child died in infancy. And if you were a parent writing this psalm about your child, appropriate for a service including a baptism, what would you have put in the psalm? What would have been your prayer for your child, your heir? What attributes would you like to see in those that you influence? Some of us, of course, as parents or grandparents, others perhaps people we teach or lead in our teams. What would you pray for them? Health, happiness, long life, prosperity... A life partner, perhaps? Good exam results? A university place and a job in due course? All quite natural. And to some extent, those ordinary wishes that we have for our children, perhaps, or those for whom we're responsible, are reflected in David's prayers and his hopes and aspirations for Solomon, about which he's writing here in the psalm. He certainly hopes for success. Verses 8 to 11, for instance, he will... This is an amazing prayer for success. May he rule from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him, his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. The kings of Sheba and Seba will present him gifts. May kings bow down before him and all nations recognize who he is. That's a, that's a wish list for your child to compete with, I don't know, success as a city banker with big enough bonuses to pay for the nursing home or whatever it might be that you pray for. Uh, He hopes for long life and prosperity for his son. Perhaps the worst nightmare for any parent is the prospect of their children dying before them. For any of us who are parents, grandparents, that is a, a dreadful fear that we have. And you would have seen the terrible grief of parents in Gaza and elsewhere uh, recently, for instance, as children die. For instance, and very powerfully, uh, the agony of the parents of the murdered journalist James Foley or the teenager Michael Brown, which had been all over the news last week. So unsurprisingly, David prays, as we would, any of us would, 
long may he live. He wants him to have a long life. I notice, incidentally, that uh, he doesn't pray for a life partner uh, for Solomon. I think David knew Solomon well enough to know that that was going to be the least of his problems. Female admirers and conquests abounded. But he did seem to have a sort of premonition uh, in, um, uh, in anticipation of the visit of the Queen of Sheba coming to see him. May gold from Sheba be given to him. It was a sort of premonition a bit like Spice Girls visiting Nelson Mandela or something like that, I suppose. But anyway, he, he prays many of the things that any parent would want for their child. But there are many other things in the, in the psalm that show that David's true greatness and his desire for a successor who would continue to rule the country as effectively as he has and the country in a sense that he has been responsible for creating, that he had a real concern for the well-being, not just of his son, but of the people that he would rule over. He wants Solomon to rule justly and righteously. These are powerful biblical concepts, uh, very rich words that involve right living in both relation to the Lord, respect for the Lord God, and care and provision for fellow citizens, and crucially, of course, also for foreigners. He hopes that Solomon will be on the side of the people, uh, who, of all the people, particularly the oppressed and the poor and the needy and vulnerable, including, very significantly, children, verse 4. That's radical stuff in the Middle East of that day. And actually, it seems quite radical even now when you think how our papers and television screens are full of the way children are mistreated in our society today, whether it's through trafficking or abuse that we read about every day. The true king is to care for the vulnerable as a priority. His prayer is that prosperity will be shared amongst all, verse 7. His hope is that Solomon will be a rescuer, a saviour of his people, especially a saviour of the most needy, verse 13. He also hopes that Solomon will win the respect of the nations around about him, and in so doing, they will come to know and honour the God that he serves. He is to be an evangelistic king. So it's a wonderful message from a father to a son, and it's a pretty good political manifesto for a modern-day leader. Let's, um, perhaps, perhaps we shouldn't, but if, why not? If the vote in Scotland is yes, let's all send Psalm 72 to Alex Salmon. And if it's a no, well, we'll send it to David Cameron, I suppose, or, I don't know, somebody. It would be good for them to read it. So it's about Solomon and his rule. But who is it really about? Who is it really about? Of course, the context of the psalm is David and Solomon, and we need to understand that in order to understand the psalm. But everyone agrees that we should see this psalm as a messianic psalm. It's really about the true king, Jesus, and the coming of his kingdom. Many of the passages actually cannot be applied to the reign of Solomon. There was righteousness and peace at first in his administration and in his government. Things went well. But before the end of his reign, there was troubles and there was unrighteousness, extreme um, unrighteousness and disobedience to God. The kingdom here spoken of in Psalm 72 is to last as long as the sun and the moon, forever in other words, but Solomon's was soon at an end. 
Even contemporary Jewish expositors of the psalm understood it to be about the kingdom of the Messiah, of the true king, who would eventually rule with justice and righteousness. Observe the many great and precious promises here made, which would have full accomplishment only in the kingdom of Christ. One of the commentaries that I looked up and read was Matthew Henry's commentary, an old commentary, and I liked it. I don't think I'm not sure I've ever quoted from Matthew Henry's commentary on the Bible before in a sermon. And though it's full of Victorian optimism, uh, it is, I think, rather wonderfully put. He writes this about Psalm 72. As far as his kingdom is set up, discord and contention cease in families, churches, and nations. As far as his kingdom is set up, discord and contention cease. The law of Christ, written in the heart, disposes men to be honest and just and to render to all their due. It likewise disposes men and women to live in love and so produces abundance of peace. Holiness and love shall be lasting in Christ's kingdom. Through all the changes of the world and all the changes of life, Christ's kingdom will support itself, and he shall, by the graces and comforts of his spirit, come down like rain upon the mown grass, not on that cut down, but that which is left growing, that it may spring again. His gospel has been or shall be preached to all nations. Though he needs not the services of any, yet he must be served with the best. Those that have the wealth of this world must serve Christ with it, do good with it. Prayer shall be made through him or for his sake. Whatever we ask of the Father should be in his name. Praises shall be offered to him. We are under the highest obligations to him. Christ only shall be feared throughout all generations. To the end of time and to eternity, his name shall be praised. All nations shall call him blessed. That's exactly what the psalm's about. You see, this side of the incarnation and the cross and resurrection of Jesus, we can see to whom the Holy Spirit is referring. Jesus alone reigns with perfect justice and righteousness. In human hands, all power corrupts. But not in the hands of Jesus, who saves the needy, loves and welcomes children. He is the one to whom all nations come. Think of the wealth that has come to the church. Observe the massive wealth that has been brought to him in just 2,000 years. The Queen of Sheba was a pauper compared with the wealth of the Roman Catholic Church, or even the Church of England. Let me tell you, only the kingdom of Jesus breaking in will solve the Middle East crisis. Only the kingdom of Jesus breaking in will solve the Middle East crisis. There will be occasional bandages applied for a while, but only when the king is recognized for who he is will there be lasting peace. Only King Jesus will bring lasting peace to Gaza. And many people know it. Many people know it. All nations, the psalm says, will be blessed through him. They really have been and they really will. And we must as Christians, we must as Christians continue to believe this, that the kingdom of Jesus is the answer to the world's problems. So it's about King Jesus. And thirdly, who is this psalm for? 
Of course, at one level it is meant for Solomon, and let's hope that it did influence him. I can't believe that it didn't influence him, and much, uh, much good came out of his reign. A lot of the wisdom literature in the Bible came from that period of Israel's history. So there was, it was a productive time. But like so many of us, in the end he failed because he was flawed, like all humanity. So this psalm is for us and everyone who owns the name of Christ. We are taught to bless God in Christ for all he has done for us by him. It is sad to think how empty the earth is of the glory of God. Every news bulletin points to a world that is empty of the glory of God. It is sad to think how little service and honor he has from a world to which he has been so generous. So may we, like David, submit to Christ's authority and partake of his righteousness and peace, as, of course, countless millions are around the world, often at the, at the cost of their own lives, making a huge difference in the world. May we bless him for the wonders of redeeming love. May we spend our days and end our lives praying for the spread of the gospel. How are you going to live under the rule and reign of King Jesus? I want to close with one example from the current news to demonstrate how this might be done. Just one example it happens to have come this week uh, in, the, in the news. But you can use your imaginations. You must use your imaginations to decide what you should do, how you should respond to the announcement of God's kingdom, the fact that King Jesus is the one who is the solution to the problems of the world. What will you do in response to God's word this evening? Well, here's one example. This is from a press release, a press release by the mission organization Serving in Mission, the agency with whom our mission partner Jill Ireland works in Thailand, by the way, but this one comes from West Africa. I quote from the director of Serving in Mission. On Tuesday, the 19th of August, Serving in Mission's Dr. Nancy Wrightbull stepped outside of her isolation unit at Emory University Hospital, the room where she had battled Ebola since the 5th of August. Today, Dr. Kent Bradley was also discharged. Both have fully recovered from the deadly virus and have been reunited with their families. Truly, we have witnessed a great miracle and a wonderful answer to prayer. With the psalmist, we can say, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Their contribution to medical science is historic, and the spotlight their illness has placed on the West African epidemic is bringing unprecedented prayer and resources to bear, meaning that countless more lives may yet be saved. Together, let us praise God that he has seen fit to spare their lives, to restore their health, and to use, note this, to use humble and ordinary servants to bring glory to himself. By prayer, we entered this crisis. By prayer, we endured it. And by prayer, we emerge on the other side with great thanksgiving. May the God who answers prayer, the God to whom we pray, the God who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death so that we may fear no evil, may this God bring the current Ebola crisis to an end and bring into his kingdom many who live and die without ever hearing the gospel. With heartfelt gratitude to the Lord and our sight on the future glory, we conclude with this wonderful hymn. When he comes, our glorious king, all his ransomed home to bring, then anew his song we'll sing. Hallelujah, what a saviour. For his glory, Dr. Joshua Bogunjoko.
the final words of Psalm 72. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvellous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen.